This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest, the other person who lives in our home. She's a historic house manager, a dancer, a stage manager, a historian, a cocktail master, and also happens to be married to me. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. <laughs> Hello. I like all of those um, adjectives to describe me. Are they adjectives? Or are they nouns? I don't know. I'm sorry. I think they're nouns. Let me start with saying something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to kick off the podcast. What if we're both wrong and we have to stop and re-record? That would be terrible. I think they're nouns. They're nouns. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say words, and then I decided to be fancy. I've learned my lesson. Don't be fancy. It's the podcast I'm trap. I'm not fancy. Whenever you try to be fancy on a podcast... It's a trap. Yeah. It's a trap. Uh, I will fall into that trap seven times on this recording. Uh, but thank you for doing the podcast with me. Absolutely. Uh, I tried to collect all the different uh, titles that are true for you. There are, there are even more I could add. Mm-hmm. Knitter, <laughs> Netflix watcher, <laughs> other accomplishments. <laughs> anyway. She can walk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't really chew gum, but you can do no. other things while walking, mm-hmm. like talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I should add that it it is late and, and we're tired. It happens sometimes when we uh, get to record because we end up recording uh, when our schedule allows, which is yeah. late in the evening. We have a, a nice drink that you made us. Can you explain this drink? <laughs> yes. Well, I was inspired by our topic and decided, therefore, it should be cider and whiskey. So we just mixed a little cider and whiskey together. <laughs> okay. Let's go right from that into uh-huh. our topic because <laughs> yeah. I think... Why this speaks to you for the topic might be an interesting point of discussion. <laughs> so this is a, a, a very special episode of Obsessed about voting. Obviously, the podcast is called Obsessed. And as longtime listeners know, I get a person on to talk about something they like a lot. But I love doing this podcast to think about all the different definitions of obsession. And sometimes an obsession is something that walks with you throughout your entire entire life sometimes that's something that explodes into your life and sometimes it's something that's almost seasonal uh and i like covering things that i am sometimes really really obsessed with right now and in all honesty what i am obsessed with and i think uh you as well Mm -hmm. sarah uh is just voting just the idea of voting not only this vote that is coming up uh right as we record this but just in general the idea of voting what does it mean What is its power? What is its value? How do we feel about it? All of those ideas. Absolutely. And we might find out during this podcast that this is not true, but I suspect that this is a case where you are more obsessed with this than I am. I am obsessed with it. I'm not going to, you know, diminish that. Uh, But I feel like I have my obsession has grown because of your obsession. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we'll find out. Here's my prediction is that I'm a little bit more obsessed because I'm just very obsessive and you're a little bit more knowledgeable. (laughs) I don't know. I started out with the wrong name for a thing. So. <laughs> we will find out. Okay, so my very first question then is, why does cider and whiskey thrown together in a glass say voting to you? Okay, um, so this might take up this. One of those words used to describe me was historian. Uh-huh. And uh, you used to be in a play called Johnny Appleseed that was about <laughs> Johnny Appleseed spreading... Um, 
seeds for apple trees all throughout the land and <laughs> uh, cuttings for apple we, trees. We say sharing because spreading sounds like they're coming out of Johnny Appleseed's body. Oh, no, no, no. I meant like sharing, giving, yeah. community events. People would come to the farm to table event that Johnny Appleseed was having at his table where he hoped there would someday be a farm because he wanted to come back there and have some alcoholic cider. Yes. Um, also, this I'm sure will come up again now, but I'll just start with it. I have started listening to, I've not finished, um... Oh, goodness, I'm going to forget her last name. A person who goes by the name of Lillian, Lillian and I'm forgetting her last okay, name. Okay, Lillian, Lillian Blanks podcast. She's affiliated with the Washington Post. Okay. Did a series of podcasts leading up to the 2016 presidential election called Presidential, okay. where she goes through the um, kind of uh, each president, but very specifically what they're remembered for um, or not remembered for. Okay. And I, I haven't gotten very far. I'm still only in like the 1840s. So we're still at the time of like people drink cider and uh, whiskey is a thing. And so that's just where my mind went to is we're talking about voting. Also, I'm listening to the first episode of her other podcast constitutional, which is about creating the constitution. And uh, we didn't have any claret, which would be the other option <laughs> for the time period. So I was like, yeah, Let's be oldie timey and yeah. have whiskey and cider. And it is just very autumnal, right? I mean, <laughs> <That too. laughs> cider is, is, is autumnal, and is. the word booze comes from the uh, election of one of our presidents. Yes, and this is a fascinating story that I think that you should share because it's not one that was covered on this podcast or on the podcast I was listening to. Uh, we, I've, I've shared it, uh, I think, on this podcast uh, before, and now I am spacing on the president's name. He's a three-name president, so he's a, either a serial killer or this president. Uh, three names. <laughs> no, I'm, I'll think of it. You start telling the story. Okay. Uh, just William Henry Harrison. William Henry Harrison. Thank you very much. So William Henry Harrison, uh, they campaigned on being this sort of log cabin guy, just down to earth is one of the, as I understand it, historically first, like, what? I'm not better than you. I'm just like you. I live in a log cabin. And uh, they made a bunch of merchandise, and one of them was this uh, liquor in in a sort of a log cabin type conveyance device, and it was made by a manufacturer called Booze. Mm-hmm. And then people are just like, "Hey, you got that Booze?" And wasn't it in the um, printed on the bottles or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. So it just I I just find that such a fascinating story, and uh, not one that I have heard I think other than from you and from the. Uh, exhibit on presidential history that i think might be where you got it (laughs) that is where i got it and i might get some details wrong i might have got some details wrong anyway that's enough about william henry harrison nouns and whiskey let's talk about voting so i just want to start like i often do on obsessed is just kind of like your uh introduction to this idea so obviously it's something that you just learn about living in america that we Mm -hmm. vote uh but what is your what's your history with that idea of civic uh duty or civic opportunity and were you always really involved was your family always really involved were you raised as a like this is an important thing that we do um I honestly don't remember for sure. Okay. Which probably means it isn't like it was the most. We didn't go out and canvas yeah. as a family. Okay. Um, I remember seeing the stickers. It was it was a thing that was done. It was just kind of like, okay, that's part of being adult. Be, being adult. Being an adult <laughs> is you vote. And so to me, it was never questioned. Um, the first election that I could vote in, I was in college, Um and I was still registered, so I remember figuring out how to vote by mail and making sure, because it was like, 
this is just what you do. Yeah. Uh, but I will say uh, at that point, I don't know that I, I think it took me a lot longer to figure out like, oh, primaries, those are important too. I think that maybe took another decade or something to okay. figure out. But the like, you vote in the main, you know, November, the, you know, the main November elections. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is interesting to me. I want to drill down on this a little bit because by the time that we were dating and married, you, I think, had a strong sense of, of civic pride. Mm-hmm. And you were very knowledgeable, and you in fact reminded me about a vote that was mostly local to Minnesota that I had skipped back in the day because I had not fully uh, engaged with as much civic <laughs> responsibility as I feel right now. Do you think that your um, civic mindedness is just an extension of the fact that you and your family are very um, dutiful? Like you, you are a family that does their homework and does their <laughs> research when they're planning a trip. Or if you want to buy a dishwasher, your family is going to research the <laughs> hell out of it. And it's just like this very solid sense of responsibility. Yeah. Um, I have two answers to that. The first one is honestly um, the thing that really got me to pay attention to voting including in primaries and everything, was peer pressure. Okay. Because I worked with people who would vote before showing up at work at 8 a.m., and they would wear their I Voted sticker all day. And the first time that happened and I hadn't realized there was a primary, I felt so bad and just like, oh, I am just not holding up my end So of you got bargain. sticker shamed and it worked. Well, not not on purpose, but I internalized By the it. Ambience the ambiance of sticker shaming. The ambiance of the sticker around me, it worked. <laughs> it shamed me. And uh, I wanted to make sure I had my sticker also. No, so it honestly, but honestly, it was one of those things where I think seeing it repetitively throughout the day on other people as they would come into work and have their sticker on, I just had that like, oh, goodness, I need to be paying more attention if I totally miss this. Separate from that, as um, once I was out of the house, um, my mother no longer does this, but for years she worked at the polls okay. um, where they live now. And they she started that, you know, after I was out of the house and out of college. But I would also hear about it from her and kind of that experience of going and working at the polls. And so she was always aware of every single election because right. she had to be there. A sense of a true civic responsibility yeah. of this is this is ours. We get to do this. Yeah. So there is. So I think it. I suspect that it was a little bit more there than I remember, and I, I just kind of, it just filtered into my brain. Okay, interesting. I don't remember for myself having the, like, being sat down and, like, this is your responsibility. Like, I, I think I maybe internalized that from reading Captain America comic books <laughs> or watching Sesame Street or mm-hmm. hearing the, uh, you know, old, uh, you know, Conjunction, junction, you know, uh, the jingles. Yeah, honestly, uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock, it's thank you. That's why a lot of us started voting, I think. Yeah, so I think I always had that sort of like, uh, that attitude. And I think in general, while I have not always been is civically engaged, my parents uh, were very politically, they had a lot of political opinions and, mm-hmm. and I knew them and I heard them and they, they kind of diverged over the years and covered lots of different ground, but I grew up with lots of strong political opinions. I don't think I can get through this podcast without dating myself, uh, so I'm just going <laughs> to date myself. Um, I think I have some just latent optimism gene that just wants to think that something will work out. And an early expression of this is I vividly remember my parents 
being upset as they were watching the Reagan Mondale returns. Mm -hmm. And I was going up to bed and I was like, wake me if it turns around. And I didn't even understand their exasperation, but they're just like, go to sleep. It's not going to turn around. And now as an adult, I understand. Yeah. It was only Minnesota that voted for Mondale in the entire electoral college. Yeah. And just knowing that that's what I was giving back to my parents. Like, but who knows? (laughs) You know, superheroes make things work at the last minute when it seems against you. And sort of that um, that combination of you do need that that level of we can turn around anything with voting. You can't be a pessimist. But at the same time, it's hard numbers and there's a point of no return and to think of myself like being like who knows maybe batman will vote for (laughs) mondale and luke skywalker and that'll turn things around we'll go to somehow yeah it's like santa claus comes yeah i mean what if super grover votes (laughs) (laughs) just a dumb childish optimism and my parents being like yeah no it's uh no not gonna happen (laughs) they were not happy uh about that um yeah, and then I think I I was just really excited because I turned 18 before most of the other kids in my class because mm-hmm. I being an August birthday my parents made the choice instead of having me always be younger than everybody, you know, for when I actually started kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So it's almost always you know a year older than most people or everybody right. would be turning the age that I already was throughout the school year. Right. Uh but I was like one of the only people who could vote the first time I could vote. Yeah. And so we had a lot of discussions at school and then a lot of it was like, well, but it only matters to him because he's the (laughs) only one who's actually going to be able to vote. Yeah. Did you feel like weight of that of not only yourself, but other people that you had been having discussions with, like you had to go vote to represent all of these people? No, I mean, I don't, I didn't think of it that way. I remember because I, I had this twisty experience of some of my history classes. I, you know this, but for listeners, uh, the I went to a program called the International Baccalaureate, which is international. It's a kind of an advanced placement honors thing. The program that is in all sorts of different schools is kind of a magnet thing. Um, so I had taken all of the history classes that the International Baccalaureate offered. So by the time I got to uh, being a senior, mm-hmm. uh, it was just sort of the basic history, and it was taught by kind of a cartoon, I don't like them politics that change stuff. Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, and he discovered America, and that's what we teach in this class. So I just oh, remember wow. being really, like, our civics discussion was being led by that guy, and he and I was just constantly pushing back on him and he did not like it because he just wanted to say it the way it was the way it's always been and just have everybody accept it and the fact that i was questioning like at the at the time that we had had a governor in minnesota who ran on like a decreasing tuition for college and then he increased it Mm -hmm. or something along those lines uh a pretty direct parallel of i said this now i'm doing this and i remember squabbling with the teacher of like how is that representative he's like it just is because he supported that guy, okay. you know, so those those kind of things. Um, so I, those are my memories of being sort of civically engaged and feeling like oh, I this feels good to have this power. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember your for, first vote and how it felt? Um, I, I do remember because I was going to college in Minnesota at the time, but 
my family lived in Iowa, so I was registered in Iowa, you know, where my permanent address was. Um, I remember sending it in. And then I remember when everybody else was figuring out their voting thing, because a lot of my friends lived in Minnesota or were from the town where the school was, um, as they were figuring it out, I think it felt a little anticlimactic. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I mean, I had gone into like ballot um, polling stations and everything for years as a kid, but it, but that time I didn't do that. So. Okay. So you sent in your first one? Yeah, I mailed it in. Okay. And did and you just didn't feel? Did you think about that of like wanting to make it this significant moment that you first stepped into the voting booth? No, and you're just I like don't. no. This is just another thing I have to do. I I don't think it was that either. It was just kind of like okay, I've done that. So everybody here has to you know worry and figure things out. Like you know they didn't have props like we have here in California, but just kind of like okay, they need to do all their research. Um, and I've already done mine. Okay. Uh, but not in a, like, that sounds very much like, oh, <laughs> I'm better than you. It was just kind of, it was just very matter of fact. And I think that it felt odd that it wasn't a bigger deal. Yeah. But. Interesting. Yeah. But, I, and I think that is one of the fascinating things with voting, because I think it could be that maybe that is best for uh, America, that it is just, it's a responsibility. And that's a way to look at it of like, mm-hmm. I have a list of things to do. And there are things in life that you have to do. Like, hey, uh, if my kid is done at soccer practice, I have to pick him up mm-hmm. <laughs> or her or them. They're just going to be there. Yeah. And if it's that same level of just like, this has to be done, I'll get it done. Yeah. And then there's the other side of it that's just like the passion and feeling the engagement and the I want to wear the I voted sticker and I want to tell you that I vote. You know, like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think part of it is I just didn't have that wasn't a thing that was I was really passionate about. And I didn't have a lot of friends who, not that we wouldn't talk about politics, but it wasn't like, yes, this is our, this is our main focus for this fall. Um, So it just wasn't, wasn't as big of a deal. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about passion. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's an irresponsible segue. I want to talk about your best voting experience. What was the time that you voted that you felt like, yes, this felt great? Wow. Um, well, this is going to be an, an after-the-fact vote. Okay. Um, but as as many listeners of this podcast know, uh, and we've said multiple times, we used to live in Minnesota. And when um, the Senate race, which Al Franken ended up winning, mm-hmm. um, was against another candidate by the name of Norm Coleman. And it was down to, I should have looked it up, I don't remember, something like 240 votes. Oh, that's right. Like it was, It was incredibly close, and it was... Um, you know, after the whole Bush Gore things being really close, it was it was a recount. And I just I think in that moment, I was like, I am so glad that I voted. And why was this such a great example to everybody who ever questions voting that your vote does count? Yeah. And it was just it was really powerful. It, it struck me and I think really carried and maybe that ignited my my voting flame a little bit. Yeah. Of even when you feel like it doesn't count. You never know when it might really count. Yeah. And so that I've really carried with me ever since then. Yeah. And if I am remembering correctly, I researched this uh, and I might not have this entirely correctly. Not only was it obviously the senator for Minnesota, but it affected if and when there was a supermajority in the Senate for Obama's uh, while Obama was in office. And it had an impact on the ability to pass the Affordable Care Act. So it is like that really like, 
oh, wow, they were very, very close for the Minnesota Senate, but mm-hmm. it affects everyone yeah. yeah, and everything. And uh, I know there's you know, other concerns since then, but still a huge issue um, and a, a huge moment to have him in the Senate. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think I have always felt just like that uh, uh, pride in it. And it, it, I think it's always felt potent. I think maybe it's just because I am a little bit of a drop in the bucket type of person, which I think can be a gift and a curse where I feel like I made a difference by doing this little thing. And if I just keep doing this little thing, it'll all work out. And sometimes mathematically, that's not true. Um, (laughs) But there's a part of me that always wants to believe in that. So I think I always just feel like, you know, however, you know, physically I voted, dotted something, ticked something, usually filled out a circle, daubed something. Uh, It feels potent. Yeah. Um, You can help me remember the technical uh, uh, names of these things, maybe. But I think one of the votes that really, really struck with me was their, I can't remember what it was called because it wasn't a proposition. It was an article. It was in Minnesota a couple of years back when uh, the state was trying to just preemptively make same-sex marriage illegal in the state. Yeah. Explicitly illegal, right? Yeah. Because it was the because the whole fight was not even to make it legal. No. It was to stop it from becoming <laughs> explicitly illegal. Mm-hmm. And I had worked with yeah. some other great uh, theater artists in the Twin Cities to put on a, a a show that was a benefit to raise awareness. The the campaign was really well organized to say like this is written on purpose to be confusing. So mm-hmm. it's really confusing what yes or no means. So there was a really big campaign of like vote no because this is you know yeah uh and it, it, in all the twists and turns i don't remember like what the number of that was or whatever but i think that was one of the the big ones where yeah. it really seemed like this was gonna happen that minnesota was gonna be explicitly same-sex marriage is not allowed here yeah uh and feeling that great joy of like a a desperate fight mm-hmm. that would not have that people would not have won if everybody hadn't activated yeah. and communicated and made a community out of it. And then the fact that it worked and mm-hmm. this thing that to me is vile to say these people can't be married. Yeah. It didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the first one where I felt really not felt really that passionate where I got really active also. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. And again, with, um, you know, you never know which things are going to turn the tide, but that kind of turned the tide nationally and then because of who was in the state the state um senate and uh congress turned around and made it uh made it legal by i think the next year or something so it was just kind of it was amazing to see the power of voting yeah and that really was like a power to change the conversation Mm -hmm. uh because that that initial one was a a, an attempt to just really hold on to the status quo Mm -hmm. and then that inability had made it obvious that the times they were a changing yep uh and yeah, a great power yeah um do you have a defeat that affected you the most and i'll put a big asterisk on it uh-huh. uh <laughs> <laughs> i know that's a dumb question to ask at this particular time because obviously uh the presidential uh, victory of Trump is a, a giant gaping wound in most of uh, uh, many people's souls. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that it for you or is there another defeat or moment that felt as as painful? Um, I, I'm not going to say as painful. Yeah. Um, because there is nothing quite like that day and the next 24 hours where I basically just tried not to cry. Yeah. Um, 
and all the time since then. But uh, in um, year, I'm not going to remember the year right now, uh, but basically during election night, um, Bush Gore. Yes. That was a time when I absolutely did my voting. But honestly, I wasn't that engaged beyond kind of the the big bullet point races. Yeah. And to me, it wasn't a big question. And so I just hadn't done that much research. And I remember (laughs) sitting at my friend's apartment as things were looking like they're going toward Bush. You know, they still weren't sure. And obviously, you know, weren't for a while. But um, just kind of having that, I I believe I just kind of... uh, yeah, spoke out in rage, probably didn't yell it. Um, <laughs> but it was rage. just like, ah, uh, cried out in rage. There we go. I'm like, do people just not know he doesn't know what he's doing? He's never <laughs> like, I just was so distraught that that people just were uninformed and making this choice because, and, you know, this is very much showing my background, which is like, <laughs> like you said, let's be informed, let's make good choices, let's think about what's important to us. But also let's think about how we're going to achieve the goals that we have in front of us. Yeah. And to me, that was just like, what? How are this many people, you know, like not like my worldview is everybody's worldview. But it was just it was one of those moments where I just didn't think it would go that way. And I was very affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Um, not remotely the same level, but, um, but yeah. it was affecting. I think for me, the uh, this election in 2016, obviously... I was certainly upset uh, because I am liberal and all of the various uh, the Bush Gore and then the Bush Gore Supreme Court battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I I think some of my biggest political ire was that the Carrie Bush, the Swift Boat ads, where I remember just feeling utter rage that Carrie was a an actual veteran. Mm hmm. And Bush was just kind of like, well, what, what? I this that's there. It's not me. It's this other other committee. Just kind of, you know, shaming him. And to me, it was just like so disingenuous. Especially when it, the GOP often tries to play up the like we're the party for traditional values, like respecting the soldiers. And like, how yeah. can you smear? An actual veteran. Yeah. Like, I remember being furious about that. Um, but that's not really the vote. That's more the what led to it. <laughs> but I think that, um, and that's probably the first uh, election that I paid a lot of attention to. Yeah. But um, I re- I feel like that is, the, that is the start for me of some of the rage about some of um, some of the attacks. And, uh, you know, this, I, I don't like the attack ads. Um especially not ones like that. And uh, I feel like we've just uh, taken a whole journey since then. But but I bet those were very affecting to me also in a negative way of whoever would run this has no respect yeah. for our military, which is the opposite of what they were saying they did. Yeah, so. because, I mean, Bush was a pretty military-focused guy. Yeah. Um, and I also remember that being my first real, like, why on earth is Kerry not just going on 60 minutes and just saying this is untrue and like pushing back more yeah and it goes right back into this like civility and both side isms that we're talking about uh now anyway i am obsessed right now uh (laughs) i think i want to say some stuff about the 2016 election and then we'll we'll move on Mm -hmm. uh because i know it is still hard for people 
But I think that roller coaster of going from the elation of voting for a woman for president who Mm -hmm. I thought was truly going to be the first woman president and Mm -hmm. just thinking, regardless of what anybody else thinks about Hillary Clinton, the power of that. Yeah. And then to have not only have that not happen, but to have a, a person who had so recently been in the spotlight for so deeply, deeply disrespecting women mm-hmm. that I just, uh, that was the thing that I couldn't shake out of all of it, just sort of emotionally yeah. of how, how to cope with that. Um, and I'm glad that we are uh, on a path to address a lot of those issues. <laughs> uh, and with the, with the voting, um, let's talk a little bit about some of your even earlier civic engagement, because <laughs> this is a fascinating detail. Uh, you did a presentation as Victoria Woodhull. Yeah. Oh, uh, tell people about that <laughs> and who she is and why you did this. Yeah, this is, it's so funny because as I think about it, I do have so many little moments here, like here and there, like that one, um, that show up throughout my life that paint a picture that I was much more civically engaged than I was <laughs> uh, because most of the time because I have so many friends who are you know very civically engaged or you know political science professors or you know so deep into this topic that I most of the time just feel like I'm you know in shallow waters just trying to avoid the depth below it but when I was in uh, middle school we uh, I was part of uh, I applied I don't know. I competed in a program called History Day, which many people might be familiar with. It's um, a competition that each state does, and then people from each state um, are chosen to go to the national level. Yes. Um, I was not chosen to go to the national level. Yeah, I was runner-up one year. Were you really? Yeah. Excellent. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I've never told you that. <laughs> no. Um, I, I, so I, but I was, I did compete at the state level, and honestly, I don't remember why exactly I picked her. So <laughs> I think I know. So Victoria Woodhull, for people who are not aware, she's been a lot more in the news the last two years because she's been called out by Hillary Clinton. She was also called out on Scandal, um, the TV show. Okay. <laughs> because there was a poster of her when Mally Grant, one of the characters, spoiler, becomes president. Hmm. So 1872, Victoria Woodhull decides to run for president. And, uh, I did a whole theatrical presentation. 1872, did you say? 1872. So 50 years, basically, um, you know, give or take a few years before women got the vote. Okay. She decided to run for president. Prior to this, she had already, both she and her sister had already become, um, I don't know the exact term, but we'll say licensed brokers. They were allowed to trade on Wall Street, which no, I don't think any other women had been done, had been allowed to do at that point. So this was like part of her thing was breaking barriers. Um, she was also very much a proponent for free love, which I probably didn't even truly understand what it meant at that point. <laughs> what she meant by it and what that time period meant was honestly a lot of it was just kind of um, that women should have rights and not be owned by their husbands. Um, and I think she was also, you know, had a, a variety of relationships throughout her life. Um, her father, interestingly, was a li- was truly a snake oil salesman. Like literally, he like, sold literally, snake oil. He sold snake oil. And at, when they were growing up, they would go from town to town. And he would teach her and I think her sister um, 
to basically, um, you know, um, be like fake palm reed or things like that, that then they would go and try to sell people in the town and he would sell them fake oils and they would pretend they could tell the future. And so like, they're a little bit of like a wheeling dealing family. Yeah. Very fascinating family. So I decided (laughs) in the middle of Iowa that I think I had read a thing that was about like, you know, um, important women in history or something. And I'd read like the one page version of Victoria Woodhill who had run for president 1872. And I was like, why don't we all know about this? I'm going to be her. So I wrote up my script and it was a one person, you know, memorized monologue about uh, I would love to find it. So did now. you dressed up, you said. I dressed up. So here's where, um, OK, I do now, you know, work in the field of public history. But at that time period, I was like, well, we've got some old clothes, of some relatives of mine. So I'll just wear one of those like oldie time dresses and that'll be fine. I believe I also powdered my hair white. OK. <laughs> <laughs> there are photos of it somewhere. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, the dress I have since seen these photos, and it's like a 1920s or teens. Like what? It's totally the wrong time period. But you know, it was uh, good intentions. You made yourself look oldie time. I made myself look oldie time. I delivered this impassioned address about why I was running for president and the platforms I was running on. And I mean, was one of them free love? I honestly Did don't you remember. Say, like, I'm Victoria Woodhall, and I'm for free love. Probably. That's so awesome. <laughs> Someday I need to find the script and see if I still have it, um, because uh, there probably was not a video recording of it. Thank yeah. Goodness. Okay. Um, yeah. So I did that, and then I kind of forgot about it, except I always remember, like, she always stuck in the back of my mind, and then I kind of forgotten about it, and then it came up um, last year when, or last year, two years ago, when um, Hillary Clinton got the nomination, because she referenced her. Yeah. And- you can attest to this. I believe I just started crying. Yes. And I'll let you take over the story from here. Um, or maybe I I think I just was so moved by that fact and I'd kind of forgotten about her. And then here she was getting recognition on national TV. Yeah. And like it was purely emotional. Like the tears just started streaming down my face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember the power of it. And I remember you telling me about Victoria Woodhall, who I'd never heard of. <laughs> and I think, the power of a story like Victoria Woodhall is, I think, uh, people who want things to stay kind of the same make the argument, you know, either explicitly or through kind of propaganda that things have always been a certain way and it's worked. So why change anything? And then somebody reminds you, somebody like Victoria Woodhall reminds you, like, no. People have been trying to make this change. People have been trying to scream out and say, this doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. and I'm here, and I have a voice, and I want to change this. And it's just so powerful to say all the way back in 1872, years before women even could vote, which is just insane, mm-hmm. that the that they were she was wrestling with at least some of the same things that we're debating today. So it's... BS to just say like, what? It's been fine. Like, well, ask Victoria Woodhall if she thought it was fine in 1872. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we've got, I think, Seneca Falls, which is, you know, widely considered the first female suffragette for the U.S. is like 1848, 1849. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's been a fight for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have never dressed up as a president to, uh, or a presidential <laughs> candidate to my memory. I could be wrong. I've dressed up as many things, <laughs> but to my knowledge... So I just need to throw this in here. The next year, I did a very bad job um, 
based off of FDR's fireside chats. So apparently I was just a little presidential obsessed. Did you did you dress up as FDR? I, I, I think I probably wore like a sweater vest or something. I don't know. That, I, I ran out of time. So that one was very bad. I did not progress at all. I did not score well. They were just like, there, there, Sarah. Okay, you tried. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, we've talked a little bit about our, our history with uh, with voting and our, our <laughs> oldie time performances <laughs> as political candidates. I want to talk a little bit because this is, I think, what I'm truly obsessed with is is voting as it stands right now. Yeah. Like, obviously, I'm not super historically knowledgeable. Um, but uh, I want to ask you, do you feel like politics should be more of our everyday discussion and could we make that work? Now, as I'm saying this, I realize I'm asking a loaded question because I know I have my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just say my opinion first and then get, get your thoughts. Sounds good. Um, I am... When I read history and think about history, particularly like the forming of America, mm-hmm. I am so reminded that politics are a means of our perspective on everything, on life, of how we should treat one another, about what is fair, about what does the word liberty mean? Mm-hmm. Do you actually believe in that? Or do you believe in something else? In that those things should be we should be able to discuss just those ideas of here's what I really believe in. Now, all of these laws that we're debating, all of these politicians that we're debating, whether they're being too civil to one another, are just extensions of that, of what I, each individual, truly believes our society should be. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, to me, we've gotten so far from that perspective, and it's just about we're in this system and we push button A or button B. And I don't feel like it has to be in that way that we talk about it, mm-hmm. that that we should be able to have it be a slightly less stressful thing to just be able to say, I really believe that unless somebody has committed a heinous crime, we should take care of one another. So I believe in Medicaid. I believe in Medicare. I believe in, you know, a, a high minimum wage i believe in welfare because of it's coming from this belief Mm -hmm. of this and try to be able to have a little bit more of that conversations that are about where your beliefs come from instead of being mired in the sort of web of red and blue and things that you mustn't speak aloud and or or the thanksgiving table will turn into a fist (laughs) fight like it's gotten so verboten and i know i'm being kind of uh uh optimistic Mm -hmm. that we can get to that point but that is one of the hopes for me of what is happening in the country now that it's impossible to ignore if certain policies happen if certain viewpoints happen people will suffer yeah and for some of them all of us will suffer immediately Mm -hmm. if you know we just don't have any money and only the only the one percent has money Mm -hmm. we'll all suffer and uh i think that sucks anyway that's (laughs) My diatribe, what do you think about all those issues? And I know it's really thorny to be able to talk politics freely and openly in our society. Yeah. Um, I Here's where I... I, I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I stutter. <laughs> you don't even uh, want to no. answer this question. <laughs> no, I do. I do feel like it should be something that is not as verboten, that we should be able to talk about politics more, that it should be more of day-to-day life. Um whether it is specifically about 
the politics of the moment, the the bills, the judges, the whatever, or whether it's about our deeply entrenched beliefs, if it's more about the the history behind why something is a certain way and is that still valid now, or is that trying to pretend that the world is still the same as it was in, you know, the 1780s when people had to grow all of their own potatoes. I mean, how many of us actually probably didn't even have potatoes here yet. So, you know, like it's just kind of like what's, and because I will always try to insert the historical perspective into yeah. anything, um, but that is part of how it is. I say that, and yet at the same time, I know that there are many instances where I will not, um, certainly won't launch and would probably be very cautious about stepping into a political conversation. Yeah. And part of that is probably that it just isn't done as much. Some of that is just my own um, wimpiness. Some of it is, like I said before, I, I know a lot of people who are really very knowledgeable about this. And so it's a that sense of um, imposter syndrome of do I have enough knowledge? And yet, really, we all, uh, you know, we vote. We have a voice, therefore we should have the knowledge. And if we don't figure out how we feel, I mean, I certainly feel comfortable voting. It's not like I don't feel like I yeah. have enough knowledge for that. So it's it's. I think it's a fascinating question. And I think it's one that we should be deep diving into a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, um, for me, there is this hope that if it's not even that you're trying to convince one another of anything, but mm-hmm. almost like... Um, uh, I don't want to use the, the the term safe spaces in how it's actually used. But if it was just sort of like a little bit more of a norm that mm-hmm. you could just say, um, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just saying I, I'm going to vote on this particular issue this way because here's the personal life experience that led me to this belief. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to agree with you, but if you want to tell me your life experience, mm-hmm. I think that at least then we could get past a little bit of just the uh, understandable anger. It's not a, it's not a solution because we're still voting two different ways. Um, and I know that there are absolutely issues in America and people in America were like, you can't have a lot of tolerance for people who want to make sure you can't vote or right. try to Want to eject you. you from the country <laughs> yeah or yes say say buzzwords that are secret messages that it's okay to beat you up like i i understand there's some issues that you just that you can't be sort of like what do you think what do you think but i just feel like in general i feel like we could get it would empower people mm-hmm. to stop and think about why do i believe a thing that i believe yeah and i i absolutely um agree that it would be great if there were places to have that conversation where you can have conversation without it necessarily being that you're trying to change somebody's mind. Yeah. Um, And again, with all the same disclaimers of obviously there are some issues where don't talk to somebody with, you know, what they're saying is basically going to injure you. Yeah. That's not a, why do you feel that way? (laughs) That's not a, it's just that can't happen. Yes. Um, Yeah. Uh, So I know that is a, it is a hopeful thing, but I feel like we might get back to a little bit more of like, yeah, people have different politics. And like, Mm -hmm. if we get to a point where uh, the differences are not as extreme, like Mm -hmm. even if it gets down to like happening more in primaries where you can be, I mean, obviously the, the Bernie Clinton thing got very ferocious and Mm -hmm. I feel like it doesn't have to, we could just, uh, and I'm not saying like we always have to be civil because I think that is <laughs> an argument sometimes made to silence people. But it would be great if it was just back to that like 
we're kind of talking philosophy. What's your life philosophy? Why? What's your life philosophy? Why? Oh, I see why you lean Bernie, but I lean Clinton because of this. Yeah. Or even, you know, yeah. Or the things like specific issue driven of like, yeah. oh, I, I really am against, um, this is not me personally, but say like a person is really against certain types of regulation because of something that happened within their family or somebody is um, like, I am very much for we really need to keep that pre-existing condition covered by the ACA uh, because that's how I get health care. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's it's everything from, you know, but understanding people's perspective, I just feel like it is often a learning opportunity and often a growth opportunity. And if we can't grow as part of our voting. I don't know the details of this, but I've heard many people say on social media that I think in Australia you are required to vote. Okay. And you are fined if you don't vote or something. Yeah. I don't know the details, but uh, I think that would be fascinating if we could have something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm, all, I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah, it's a responsibility, which is a great segue into uh, the next conversation starter. Uh, how do you think we can go about conquering apathy or that feeling that your vote doesn't matter? Um, that's a, a great question. And I feel like, uh, for myself, I've brought up a lot of different issues, uh, unintentionally in this podcast already of like, oh yeah, you know, like when you're 18, you're supposed to be like, that's the voice of the future. But I think a lot of 18 or 20 or however you old, when you, however old you are, when you first vote may not feel really invigorated or really connected. Yeah. Um, you and I were, were chatting just in general, uh, earlier this week and I was saying how much more. Um, impassioned I feel about voting in the whole system and I just don't know if, how much it's my growth as an individual versus just is that an age thing <laughs> as you get older you naturally care more yeah uh, or both um I would like to think that I think the world has changed a lot since I was 18 and yeah for one thing people just are much more connected uh we did not have social media when I was 18 yeah and so you are more aware of kind of what's going on and things that will affect you directly um which is a, a lot of thoughts, but not necessarily an answer to your question. <laughs> that, well, that's fine. I'm not. My question isn't like real quick. Can you solve this massive problem <laughs> yes, that done. we have? Slap you, slap. I mean, it's really rude of you to have not shared the apathy Zip. answer earlier, <laughs> since it has been a big problem. Yeah, I, I don't have an answer. I just really wrestle with like, and that that's a part of it of me wanting us to talk about politics more because I think like the way I grew up, um, obviously there is political science mm -hmm. and our system is so complicated that even somebody who has a under basic fundamental understanding of our government still really has to look up of like they're doing a, a cloture vote for why and they changed what but that's not really a law that's just a norm that they've normally followed but they're not going to this time because some like it gets very very complicated so obviously there are experts there are historians and they're always going to be and that's fine but I feel like politics in my lifetime have been in interest the same way. He, hey, here's my buddy who really loves Star Wars. Here's mm -hmm. my buddy who's super into hockey. And this guy likes politics. And yep. that's madness to me. And I feel like that has to end. Like we all have to be that somebody invested would get... in politics. Like it's yeah. not. Um, uh, uh, it's not a niche interest. Yeah, yeah. Um, since this is the theme of uh, the episode today of not being able uh, to think of things. Oh, 
it, when you when you're at school and you mm-hmm. have to take main courses, but then you have other courses that you can electives. Electives. Mm-hmm. Politics should not be an electives interest. <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah. Like it should be like politics should be like music. Like you have to search to find somebody who's just like, do you like music? And somebody's like, no. Like it should be in our just absolute like not even day to day because I know it is stressful. I know people need to take a break, but it just it shouldn't be a niche niche interest. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I think so it is obsessed. <laughs> I don't have you any are. answers. <laughs> And I think um, it is a requirement for a lot of, I don't know, current high school curriculum, but I think some sort of government or civics classes. But it's often the class that's like early in the morning that people sleep through and they're like, okay, I need to know the basics to pass this. At least for a lot of people I've spoken with, that's what it was. Um, I have two other comments on this, if I may. Yeah. One, I do not mean to uh, imply, which I feel like I accidentally did, that um, apathy is only among young voters. No. I was just focusing on that because... I still voted, but I didn't pay as much attention. Well, and and I think it, as we're recording right now, like it, earlier today, an article came out that was a big interview with a bunch of young people about why mm-hmm. they don't vote. It is a specific. Yeah. So there's that. But I think it's also, um, but I think it's very true for everybody. Like, you know, you're older and raising kids and this is part of civic duty and is going to affect so many things, you know, like including voting for like school boards and bonding issues and things like that. So for I think everybody has a reason why it affects them. Yeah. And that's why I feel like we need to as a country. Yeah. You and I here in our part <laughs> need to figure out how to fix this. Um, and then, oh, I had another thing and now I've forgotten it. So I'll come back to it later. OK, that sounds good. Uh, please let me know if you think of the other thing. Is it about apathy? Uh, it, it was. It was in relation to the apathy. Oh, I know. That's what it was. It wasn't. This is not uh, earth shattering and not worth going back for, but I've gone back for it. So I'm going to stick with it and just say that it seems like at least for some people, um, what you're saying about, oh, this isn't a law. This is a norm. And maybe it's just uh, the people that we know. But I feel like a lot of people are paying more attention now as we're kind of figuring out like, oh, wait, how does our government actually work? Yeah. And I feel like there is a big, you know, like record scratch or head swivel or something within the last, you know, year and a half, two years of, wait, let's figure out how, like, obviously people know, but for many of us who kind of thought that we got the basics and then realized, oh, gosh, no, we don't. There's so many things that we yeah. don't understand. And why are they not more um, formalized? Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, for me, a learning experience is if, uh, America stabilizes a little bit and goes back to a little bit, um, depending on your point of view, a little bit more of like the country's just chugging along Mm -hmm. that I want to make an effort to be more aware Mm -hmm. of what's going on um, instead of just kind of tuning in at at the big times. Exactly. Um, Which is perhaps a a lesson against apathy that I've gotten from the current situation, which I do not think is ideal. Now, getting into this. Mm -hmm. Being somebody who likes pop culture, is works in the world of pop culture, obviously a lot of what is um, what leads people to apathy about politics is kind of at odds with pop culture. And people would even argue that some of the rise of Trump is that, you know, he, he has he's more of this show person. And it was funny to watch him make fun of all the Republicans in the primaries. And we get into this awkward relationship between pop culture and politics um that said it does sometimes seem like we need to sense 
politics is already in that in that realm where the politicians have to be decent speakers. They have to be charismatic. They have to bring you in. They have to draw you in. Mm-hmm. Like without corrupting the system, how much more can we get people engaged because engaging things are happening like mm-hmm. you want to see this debate um so with some of those ideas in mind how do you think like debates should change because a lot of people agree that like there's not a lot of substance it is more about personalities and zingers and and all that um well this is where i am probably sticking my foot in my mouth but i would like to see them become more civil okay i believe that it should be more about answering the question and less about putting down the other people yeah um because otherwise how do you know they're actually thinking you're saying and certainly sometimes like there's going to be not like oh you can never say anything against anybody else's policies but i feel like sometimes the focus gets so much on the zingers yeah i feel like you should get i mean the who knows? This is probably a horrible idea, or maybe they already do it. But like for every, um, you know, mean zinger that you have just against a person of like, oh, that's, you know, a blue comment to go with your blue suitor. That's a horrible <laughs> example. <laughs> um, sorry. You mean Pretend- blue like in the old terms, like they I, said something naughty? That is, but it's a horrible example. Anyway, I've, like three you made strikes, a blue. <laughs> you know, but maybe make it something like three strikes and your microphone's turned off. So you actually do have to be aware of being, you can comment on people's policies, but you need to actually, well, A, actually, I'm going to back up. You need to answer the question because that is my biggest frustration is when people don't answer the question. And then, um, then whatever, there's always some spin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about totally not answering the question. I feel like if you don't answer the question or if you are mean, to other people on the stage <laughs> uh, that you should get basically a strike. And after three strikes, your microphone is turned off for the rest. You have to stay on stage and your microphone is turned off. Yeah. And these are people who want to be able to talk. They want to be able to share what they're voting for and how, uh, you know, ridiculous are they going to feel if they have to stand there and they're not allowed to talk. And I feel like maybe that's uh, just off the cuff. I'm sure there's a million reasons <laughs> that's not a good idea, but that's my idea for tonight. Uh uh, mine were similar, but with trapdoors. But that's excessive. <laughs> that's unnecessary. No, I feel like, especially in these battles we've been in uh, right now, with what is the role of the press? Mm-hmm. Why is it bad that Trump keeps saying they're the enemy of the people? Is because they should be the ones who guard the truth. Yeah. Uh, and I know they can't one hundred percent fact check in real time, mm-hmm. but things that are just baldly lies they can call out. And certainly, I would think it is well within the press's power. Uh, whoever is moderating these debates to to have a you must answer the question and ask the question. Yeah, there's spin, right? There's segueing, or there's let me let me work in my folksy story to get back to the point. Yeah, and then there's just like I change the topic and just don't answer in any way, shape, or form. And sometimes I, I think they do drill down and say like yes or no, and and they still dodge. But it would be. Great, and I don't see any any problem with, like, uh, a scorecard is not right. Make it entertaining, uh, but just having having the journalists just go, great, uh, ma'am, sir, whoever. I'm senator. I'm gonna. I need to acknowledge that I I asked you three times and you did not answer the question, and that that's a part of the discussion afterwards. Not for pundits to subtly pick apart, but for everyone to see clearly. Yeah. That 
we're having an, I mean, if I can do it on a damn podcast about obsessions, <laughs> where sometimes if people just kind of aren't answering, I'll, yeah. I'll say, that was really interesting, but I was interested in this specific thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how can they not just, especially if it gets to things that are like, do you support this? Yes or no. Yeah. Or maybe it's fine, but you have to. You have to answer the question. Yeah. I also have, I, I have said this is a joke. And sometimes I wonder if it shouldn't be a joke that we should have fun president and real president. <laughs> and they run together. Uh-huh. Uh So you have someone who's maybe a great order, a great speaker, entertaining, a little wacky. And then you have their super studious, knows all the policy knows all the history mm-hmm. and they're the ones who are actually going to run the country but we got our, our fun person to entertain us yeah. i mean that I mean, that's in some absurd ways, isn't that what the cabinet in theory is for <laughs> yes i know i'd say it mostly is a joke but i think we are at this crisis point where we need a a, a very rare kind of person for to be a really great politician to be somebody who is studious knowledgeable has a sense of history a sense of responsibility a sense of working with others and to also be just an amazing improviser yeah orator yeah you know i know they have speech writers but you also still kind of have to have a, a feel for that yourself yeah um and it's not a job that just anybody could do. I don't think that's a bad thing to have it need a really specific set of skills. No, I've never been in the uh, uh, the camp of like, I want to be somebody to have a beer with. Like, I have lots of people to have a beer with. I want somebody who's not going to bankrupt or murder me is what I want. <laughs> Someone smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Bad idea, maybe. Fun president, uh, real president. <laughs> uh, I'm not totally on board yet, but, you know, it's it's fun to throw out there to see what other ideas it uh, inspires. Okay. Uh, for the end of our main segment, uh, I will ask you a question that is either fun or stressful, depending <laughs> on your point of view. Should you or I ever run for political office? <laughs> well, I can answer this for myself very easily um, because when I was in my high school government class, uh, you know, we had to divide up into teams and uh, our team did end up winning uh, on the campaign of Just Be Nice, <laughs> <laughs> which honestly, I had forgotten about all of this until we were in the middle of doing this podcast. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about this. Uh, but one of the realizations that um, a few of my friends came to during this, I was not the person who was up for president. Uh, within this mock election. Uh, but you were the, the nice vice president? No, I think I was just like, you know, one of the, the lackeys in the cabinet or whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, but it was agreed that I should not be the person to run for pre- Like, they're like, Sarah, you should never run for president because especially, and I actually think I would be much be- better at running for president now than I would have been then um, for many reasons. Yeah. One of which was I would always try too hard to make sure that everybody was happy and as president, you can't keep everybody happy. Like, that can't be your primary goal. Right. Because you're never going to succeed. And I have since learned that in life. <laughs> and I'm better at still in the general wanting to, you know, not upset people. But yeah. also my goal is not to make everybody around me happy for whatever reason makes them happy without thinking about what other reasons there may be. Right. So that's my answer for myself. Now, you, I think, are the far more likely person to run for any sort of office. <laughs> And as a partner of the person running for office, uh, I'd be supportive, but slightly stressed. 
<laughs> Truth yeah, in podcasting. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I ever would. I think that um, so many people, it's so wonderful that so many different people are kind of reclaiming the government mm-hmm. where it used to kind of be a little bit more like, well, I shall begin a political career and I shall make all the right steps. And it's great to see so many people just like, no, I am a member of the community mm-hmm. and this shit is wrong and I'm running and that's great. Yep. But I do still wonder if a lot of the traditional political uh, realities will hold. And I feel like there are 8 million uh, photos and comedy <laughs> sketches and it would be very hard for me to be just like, do you see this? asshole dressed as a squirrel and he's the one who's talking about (laughs) civic responsibility is necessary like and i know a lot of people think like politics as we know it is permanently broken but i don't i don't know about that well it it would be interesting to see and i'm not saying having been a comedian or done or said you know weird things in the past uh (laughs) precludes you but i think a decent amount of even like running for city council would be explaining stuff (laughs) yeah yeah i think that can be true for many many of us out there (laughs) so what is your uh what are your credentials you record up to five hours of star wars podcasts Mm -hmm. per week all right how are you gonna compare city council to uh you know the imperial senate well i do have many thoughts on that and i I would be happy to share them see yeah the the phantom menace is far more interesting politically than people think about Everybody should watch it between now and November 6th. The Trade Federation has representatives in the Senate. That's that, that's like if Amazon <laughs> got like Puerto Rico. No, but Amazon. Amazon has two senators now. Like yeah. that's. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to use your campaign phrase. Be nice. And then my <laughs> other one is let's talk about the Phantom Menace. And I don't think I will ever get elected. <laughs> We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. So these are questions that uh, I would normally ask my guests, but since we're kind of doing this together, I'm going to have you ask me the How Obsessed Are You questions. Yes, besides you keep saying how obsessed you are. I am. While gesturing wildly, I am also going to add. So, yeah. Uh, So Also not good for a political career. (laughs) (laughs) First question. Okay. Do you think about voting every day? Uh, recently yes absolutely um and i want to be mindful to think about uh uh if not directly voting the government and what is going on and what i can do to respond Mm -hmm. so i i want to think every day about a way to not feel powerless to say like when i see something happen that i really don't like to go look ahead like when is the next vote? And even if it's not in my state, what would be the best thing to do? Can I read up on this? Should I give the person money? Or is it something where, you know, making an argument on social media would help more? Like, and just being active about what can I do? Mm -hmm. Every day, are you meaning that right now, moving forward for the foreseeable future? I think I want to keep that in mind, uh, in the future, like yeah, is a great. is a goal. So yeah. if things stabilize, mm-hmm. that and if there's there are people in power that I'm more in agreement with, that I take that opportunity to say, all right, I want to because I don't think the Democrats are perfect, but I think they're easier to push toward the ideas that I want. 
Mm-hmm. So I, is a goal it would be great to be more mindful of. All right, well, what can I do to push them, even the people that I, you know, mostly agree with, push them more toward the idea that I believe in? Yeah. Instead of just going like, well, they're not perfect. Yeah. Say like, okay, well, how can I pressure them to be closer to my idea of perfect? Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think it's great as a daily goal. You know, you drink your coffee, do your sit-ups, do your political action (laughs) for the day or more than one. Yeah. You know, not to make it just like a checkbox, but to just build it into daily life. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Uh, What would it take for you to get a voting tattoo? Ooh, ooh. I would think that you or I would have to win political office and then I would get (laughs) my... What was it? Just be nice. I think so. I'm I'm paraphrasing. I think I was 16 when I took government class. I think hashtag just be nice. <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't think uh, that there's. I think it would have to be personal. I think it would have yeah. to touch me in like a deeply personal way mm-hmm. uh, for me to get a tattoo to express it. Yeah. Because obviously I'm super obsessed with many things, and I still haven't made the the plunge of getting a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Would you drive a van that had a picture of your favorite political candidate airbrushed on the side? <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I That one is really challenging, and I'm trying to answer these with a sense of fun, but yeah. a sense of honesty, because I ask them of other people. Yeah, absolutely. This goes back to talking about politics. Like, uh, it scare- that would scare me. Yeah. I would feel like I'm making myself a target. Mm-hmm. Now, like, if... I decided to do some canvassing and we owned a van and that was like we went canvassing and I was with other people and I was like in the moment of doing it I don't think I'd be scared but just like uh I want to go to the movies and uh this I might come back to a van that has uh no you know no has stabbed tires or whatever like yeah I think I am a little bit aware of how heightened it is mm-hmm and it also goes to a a thing about myself that I know pretty well, being on the introvert extrovert line. And I, when I want attention, I love attention, but I also like to be able to be incognito and just. And I feel like it's hard to be incognito uh, with you know whoever our candidate ends up to be if the thing I always drive is a giant airbrush picture of um, Gillum from Florida if he ever yeah. runs for <laughs> president, you know. That's it's always going to be a talking point. Yeah. So perfect for you would be a van that has a little push button where when you press it, the um, skin comes out and has the um, person's face on it. But then if you press the other button, it disappears and turns back into a normal white cargo van. Or yeah. Oh, not a white. That's creepy. Or, sorry. Like blue. <laughs> no. Yeah. If Just the, a nice color blue like the sky. Not I think blue. what you're saying is we need vans that have desktops like computers and you can just switch them out yeah yeah, yeah. Or you know how they skin things for various uh you know i'm using skin like you know the, <laughs> how the marketing bands yes yeah <laughs> you know they put they put a layer over it yeah so something that was easily removable and addable yeah yeah uh <clears throat> excuse me would you only post on social media about voting for an entire year uh that one is challenging but i think if i thought it would help yes uh, and be, uh, that one I've yeah. gotten pretty close to testing because there are, are days <laughs> where I have tweeted about not as much. I think there's a really fascinating thing where, as, as like I said, as we're recording this, as we're getting really close, there is that real question of sometimes because we didn't used to talk about politics as much mm-hmm. in general. Certainly some people did. Yeah. That sometimes when you made a statement, you were really 
helping people because you were speaking out about something. Yeah. But like as we're in this last week, sometimes it is like, are you are you helping people the most by doing kind of a generic let's vote tweet or are you helping them a little bit more by talking about, you know, how you accidentally dropped your keys in the toilet and, you know, giving them a, a brief bit of amusement. I have not dropped my keys in the toilet, but if we make people feel better, I might. So I can tweet about it. But you know what I mean? Of like, Yeah, absolutely. If I was convinced that it would help, I would. Yeah. But if you just have the same message over and over again or even variations on it, do people tune out? And so in the end, it becomes less effective. You know, it, it, it becomes like the chorus of Hey Jude. It begins to lose impact because it goes on too long. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you had to give up something you love for a year to vote, would you do it? And what would you give up? Ooh, uh, yes, I would absolutely give something up. Um, and I feel like I am, I kind of cheating, but I'm in a good place because I have so many interests and we (laughs) live in such a wonderfully saturated pop culture world Mm -hmm. that as much as it would be a bummer for me, I could be like, oh, this hurts me so much, but I'll skip Doctor Who. And it's not like I'd be like, what am I going to watch or read? Or it could be like, I'm not going to read a single book for a year. And there would be things that I deeply miss. Yeah. But I would still have, you know. That one pains me. That I just know. seems like, but that's that's not the answer that we want to give. That doesn't help. But I, I hear it. And for people who do not know, giving up Doctor Who would be huge. Hugely yeah. painful. But I guess my, my point is uh there's there's room to sacrifice yeah in this weird <laughs> theoretical <laughs> metaphysical question would you correct a stranger at a party about a voting fact right now yes mm-hmm. uh and uh all of my guests who answer this question are always quick to say i would not be the well actually person mm-hmm. uh and find a gentle way to say like i'm so sorry i just it i've just i just learned this myself and i think it's really important you know, so everybody can make the right decision. But I actually just learned that it's this. Yeah. Like, if it was like that, I'd do it. Yeah. But I wouldn't just be like, wrong. Let me interrupt <laughs> you and push you out of the way. Because that does not go with my campaign slogan. Hashtag just be nice. <laughs> if Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Luca Skywalker, <Luca> Skywalker. <laughs> was real and running for president, would you vote for him? Yes. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> you have no follow-up <laughs> questions. Fair enough. If you're going to vote and a bear was in your way at the polls, would you try to go around the bear? Yes. Uh, yeah. Do you yeah. have a strategy in mind? Of, for going around the bears? Yeah. I've heard so many asking this question on yeah. the podcast. So many great strategies. But honestly, and the reason I asked this question is if it was just in the way, I would just be dumb and I'd try to dart around. I just think I can scoot under the bear's legs. Like I can just <laughs> oh, shoot between the bear's legs and it won't even have time to uh turn around and grab me and uh maul me there'd be no mauling because i'd just shoot <laughs> right okay. through right okay. through the legs i'd uh, make my to... body a little arrow and go as your wife good to know <laughs> <laughs> would you make a noise to sum up your obsession <laughs> uh <laughs> other than shooting through the bear's legs oh yeah um you this is this is the noise that comes to mind. It's not as positive as I might want it to be, yeah. but this is the noise. Come on! <laughs> Honestly, that's great. Uh, yeah. Because it just feels because, like yeah. we can make 
a difference. I know it doesn't feel that way. I know it's complicated and a pain in the ass, but we but, so just can. But come on. Yeah. yeah so come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, time for you to rate your obsession. Okay. On a scale of one to 538, where would your obsession lie? Okay, so one being the lowest, 538 being the highest, mm-hmm. I am going to put myself in uh, at uh, 472. I think it is quite high, mm-hmm. um, but I also know that it's high right now because of what is going on mm-hmm. and because of where we are. Um, and also that... I'm, this is so great because I, I realize what it's like being on the other side of the podcast. Uh-huh. I always tell people that the podcast is about obsession level, not knowledge level. But there is honestly a part of me that feels like I, I watch a little bit of news every day. I read every day. But there's still like I feel like to be as deeply obsessed with voting as possible that I should be a little bit more knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because it's really real world stuff. And it's yeah. not like when somebody comes in and you know has an episode where like, I love Blue Oyster Cult, the band, but I can't remember if the name of their third album, you know, what what was the second track on their third album? Like mm-hmm. that's a whole different kind of thing than I feel like to be at all the way to 538, I need to truly, truly know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The yeah. best help other people there's also so much yeah do you think it is possible for any one person to know all of that i think it is very much possible for people who are students of you know how the system works Mm -hmm. to monitor all these different races yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh and i wish that we heard more from them yeah there's like, you know, depending on the news channel you watch, they'll have their expert come in and they'll ask him like three questions and they'll have pundits come on and repeat the damn talking points for three hours. Like, let the freaking numbers person who actually knows what they're talking about mm-hmm. give us some real information. Yeah. 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 I'm I, very obsessed. <laughs> you are. It's fantastic. All right. So uh, we are going to move on. And do you want to share your own obsession rating where you think you're oh, at? Since um, we're kind of doing this mutually. That's a great question. I... Mm, I'm going to say somewhere in the upper 300s, maybe like a 370 or something. Okay. Um, and I'm also totally with you on the pundits. We, I have a, a good friend who's a political science professor and really basically uh, everything that comes up. I just went, but what do you think about this? Yeah. Uh, but I think everybody in his life wants to do that to him. So <laughs> I don't. Yeah. And it, it is fascinating. And I, I think uh, uh, it is, I think, good to have respect for people who have knowledge. It mm-hmm. is a field of study. Yeah. But we can't also let that hold us back from oh, just no. doing our own research and and taking our own you know yeah. taking our power absolutely and using it and daubing <laughs> uh so quick plugs and then we'll do our fun final questions uh where can people find you on social media you can find me on twitter at sarah underscore scrimshaw that is sarah without an h Excellent. Uh, and quick plugs for this show. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the pod, uh, Star Wars podcast that I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on my upcoming shows and albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. One additional plug for this episode in particular, 
we made an album called Adventures in Voting. Mm-hmm. It is all stories from different people talking about the pop culture character that inspires them to keep fighting, uh, who who they think of when they maybe don't want to deal with getting up and doing all the research and going to the polls. A bunch of great stories. Luke Skywalker is featured. <laughs> Captain America. Ripley, Wonder Woman. You do a wonderful piece uh, about Wonder Woman, followed by a wonderful song about Wonder Woman. And all the money for that goes to uh, Rock the Vote, which does great outreach to youthful voters. Um, so that is on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can check that out. In terms of, you know, talking about voting every day, I'm keeping that album up and I'm going to keep trying to raise money to keep going to rock the vote because it's not just for emergency times. It's for always. It's all the times. So final questions. If someone created an exotic cocktail inspired by you, what would it be like? (laughs) Oh, just inspired by me? Yeah. I think it would be a mixture. It's going to definitely have some sort of herbal you know, like piney or juniper or something, um, but then also something a little floral, and then also something unexpected. Ooh! So give me, give me that again. <laughs> pine, 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 or um, herbal, floral, and something unexpected. Pine floral surprise. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, here have a Sarah. It's a pine floral surprise. I love it already. <laughs> if you could communicate with any kind of animal and ask them to do favors for you, what animal would you pick? Oh my gosh, I love this question. I'm going to think of so many better answers as soon as I finish this, um, answering this right now. The one that, okay, well, the one that came to me first is a penguin, which is not helpful. So I'm going to go. I, How is that? Let's go with okay, honesty. Okay, penguin came to me first. Koala came to me second. So I'm going to okay. go with one of those two. Okay, what would you ask the penguins to do for you? Hopefully things that are underwater or in cold <laughs> climates because they'd be so unhappy here. Um you know, I don't know. They, you know what? Honestly, sometimes uh, if I have to carry a lot of things, they would be able to. I feel like they're really good at waddling and carrying things, so they can help waddle. I, I tend to carry a lot of bags if I'm coming home from the grocery store or something. Right. So when Trader um, Joe's open in Arctic territories, yeah, penguins I could have will like help you carry the whole train of penguins behind me carrying their bags <laughs> and my bags. And, you know, I, I would help them sometimes. That is great. Uh, in just a second, we will go to our final question. Yeah. But I also want to say that I know that for this episode of Obsessed, we're discussing lots of uh, topics that people have very strong opinions about from lots of different perspectives and just a caveat that I am speaking from my own perspective. I am speaking sometimes with uh, only a dangerous amount of knowledge and I'm sure getting some details and facts wrong. So just in general, thanks for listening. And if you have a different perspective, I certainly understand. And if uh, uh, certainly don't want anyone, just want people to listen and hear our perspective Mm -hmm. and realize it's just that and it has no doesn't take away anyone else's perspective or tell anybody else what their perspective should or has to be or anything like that. Not trying to speak for anybody else. Yeah. I have strong opinions about the way things should go, but I think we all should and we should express them by voting. (laughs) All right. Final question. What is happiness? Happiness is uh, having a train of penguins behind you on your way to the voting booth. Um, just to be there supportive. And then after you voted, they all clap. And I mean, how does that not make voting such a big deal and so memorable? (laughs) I think that is a perfect answer. Thank you so much for talking with me about voting. Thank you for having me on. That is our podcast. 
You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Come on, penguins, we're going to vote!